Are you ready to be transported back to 1800s high society London? Because season three of Bridgerton is now playing only on Netflix. This season follows the story of the Tons resident wallflower, Penelope Featherington, as she undergoes a journey of self-discovery and empowerment where we see her truly blossom. Penn's emotional transformation takes centre stage as her friendship with the charming Colin Bridgerton evolves into something more. For those not yet acquainted, Colin, the charming younger brother of the Bridgerton family, is about to turn Penelope's world upside down. Mm, This is the ultimate good friends to lovers story. From those initial butterflies to when both parties realise there might be something more between them, watch Bridgerton Season 3, now playing only on Netflix. Hello and welcome to Shameless, the celebrity and pop culture podcast that a listener recently demanded we record five times a week, Michelle. You're joined by Melbourne journalists Michelle Andrews and Zara McDonald. That is way too many times. We see each other, for anyone who doesn't know. Well, this is, I think, the problem. (laughs) We see each other so much. Like, I probably see Zara more than my own family and I'm not a huge fan of it. No, I don't think think there's any any reason we need to be spending any more time together, especially considering we've just spent an hour. Trying to get this technology set up. This morning has been a big headache. We could not figure out the technology, but we are here. If it sounds a little bit weird, hopefully it doesn't. <laughs> Just I'm gonna close my ears and pretend it sounds fine. You've got crippling cramps. Anyway, onwards. Coming up on today's show, the great big Kardashian clusterfuck that is Chloe Kardashian's personal life. A comprehensive explainer on exactly why Cardi B is all over your newsfeed, and the Coachella. The Coachella. Oh, dear. I think you mean the festival. Coachella Festival? is one way to make you sound stupid. It's just putting the in front of something that doesn't need the word the. Um, And Coachella takes its spot in the limelight. Michelle, first... How was your week? Well, if we look to my left, we're sitting in my lounge room this week because we moved from Zara's bedroom floor to my tiny apartment lounge room. That's where we are this week. Uh, If you look just above you, Zara, you'll see two TVs. That is the doing of my boyfriend. I got home on Thursday night after a long day at work. It was about 10.30 and he's got both TVs on watching both footy shows. There are pros and there are cons. There's mostly cons. There is mostly cons. (laughs) As the person in our relationship who pays the energy bill, believe me, there will be mostly cons. See, I didn't think about this. Clearly still living at home. Everything, every decision I make, every light switch I turn on has no consequence right now. Oh, believe me, I'm stressing about the light switches we've got on (laughs) No, but it looks a bit ghastly. I did a um, poll on my Instagram yesterday. Lots of people voted in. I can guarantee that every girl who voted no, this is a shit idea, was a woman. And every you, hold on, can every just, girl, oh. every girl that voted no was a woman. Every person who voted no was a woman. Every single person who was like, "Fuck yes, awesome idea," was some footy crazed man. Oh, what a way to gender the world. Well, I love footy, but I do not love having two TVs. Uh, and to clarify, this is. This probably sounds like I've got some huge, massive, glorious apartment. I've got a shoebox of an apartment. These TVs take up more room than my bloody couch does. Well, it's either, I guess you either get a second TV or you get a dog. <sighs> Just get a second TV. It's what like, is it meant in their like, TVs? It's like a little pet. Oh. Um, anything else going on in your week? No. What about you? Um, look, I don't think so. <laughs> Just <laughs> apart from all the technological problems we've had um, this morning. Yeah. They're, they've been quite headaches. To be honest, I feel like my the days of my week are separated into days where Batch in Paradise 
is airing and days that aren't. I'm nodding and, silently. And then when days when Bachelor in Paradise is not airing, I just feel like I have a great big hole in my evenings. Yeah, Bachelor in Paradise has exceeded all my expectations. I'm a huge Love Island fan from the UK. I'm sure anyone who's watched that show will know how fabulous that uh, program is. And Batch in Para is giving Love Island a good run for its money. I do not love the shortening of it to Batch in Para. Batch in Para? In fact, I'm not sure I'm all about the, the shortening of much, but especially Batch in Para. Um, but I do love the show. All right. So well, that's been consuming me. <laughs> and that's about it. The most interesting aspect of your life, and it's not even your life. No, it's not surprising. Um, first up, though, our week... I have to say, not in real life, but on Instagram, has been consumed with photos of Coachella. Oh, my God. It's everywhere again. So I guess it's probably been the last three or four years that Coachella has really penetrated my radar. It sounded like weird sexual innuendo. No, but I do think that's... It's absolutely true. And I wonder if that's for us an age thing or if it's a Coachella thing. Well, I was reading about this and apparently Coachella really burst in popularity in about 2012. And I think it's reaching its peak now. So there are hundreds of thousands of tickets they sell for this music festival, which is obviously in, where is it? It's in, it's It's in in California. It's in a polo club in California, which gives you an idea of how privileged it is if you're holding a festival in a polo club. So, Hundreds of thousands of people uh, go. It's basically in the middle of US. Oh, no, it's kind of like leading into US summer, but it's quite warm in California. Yeah, it's definitely warm. And I think when we say um, has it become more popular because we've become like we've got to an age where it's suddenly becoming interesting, I think it kind of goes hand in hand with this idea that we were talking about last last week where it's a very Instagrammable moment and mm. the more Instagrammable it becomes the more popular it becomes the more popular social media becomes so I think that's probably played a huge part in it I know I was also reading this week which is always dangerous oh, reading you really <laughs> Just me consuming information um, and I was reading and it said Coachella rakes in US 700 million dollars for the economy every year oh. which is a huge amount that was according to the Los Angeles Times and it's estimated that spending in that area over the period of a week or two is sitting at about US $400 million. So we're what? talking over Australian $500 million, and that's just on spending. Holy. So this isn't just a great Instagrammable moment, but this is huge for the US economy yeah, the California economy. It's massive. And it was so funny. Uh, obviously, we work during the week for Mamma Mia. This is independent. Shameless is independent of Mamma Mia. But when I was working there last week, I wanted to reach out and speak to influencers. So I reached out to this manager who manages about 20 of Australia's biggest influencers. And I go, oh, can I just interview someone? It'll just be a phone call, 15 minutes, blah, blah, blah. She gets back to me and goes, sorry, Michelle, all of those people are currently on their way to Coachella. Every influencer I reached out about is at Coachella. Yeah, well, it's almost like if you're on Instagram and you're not at Coachella, what are you doing? Yeah, well, it's literally like the definer. It's I guess Coachella is so expensive and tickets to America, plane tickets aren't exactly cheap, that it's kind of a defining factor whether you're a legitimate influencer and whether you're privileged and wealthy and beautiful is whether or not you're attending Coachella each year. I mean, and we should say Coachella's only been going for a single weekend so far we've still got like another weekend or so is it just two we- across two weekends yeah i think it's two weekends yeah. this week but uh, this year sorry but i don't think it was always two weekends no well definitely the last couple of weekends last years but what i have loved is any influencer that isn't at coachella has to make a point that if if they weren't there last year they were the year before and so they have been posting all of their coachella photos from last year saying on hang on guys i may not be there this year but I was there 
last year. And it's like, <laughs> legit, it's like Coachella throwbacks have such FOMO vibes right now. Steph Claire Smith is also all over the uh, throwback vibes too. Oh, yes. Interesting. Um, but I have to say among all of, you know, Coachella's saturation over our Instagram feeds and, and all over pop culture, there is – a really interesting side to it. Um, firstly, Beyonce is headlining this year, as I don't think anyone could escape after her performance last night. Oh my God, the video was incredible. I'm not a Destiny's Child fan. Beyonce brought out Jay-Z, Destiny's Child and Solange. Is that? Solange. Solange? Solange. Solange. Sounds like a cough lozenge. <laughs> Solange. I'm sure she wouldn't be impressed with that. Um, she brought out all of these people in her performance. And I have to say, I'm not a huge Destiny's Child fan, but I loved that video. But what I found most depressing um, and what I think a lot of people won't realize when looking at that is that Beyonce is the first woman of color to ever headline Coachella, mm. which is crazy. I think it's really fascinating when I was reading about the festival this week is how so many people who attend say it is one of the most white events they've ever been to, despite there being colored artists performing and them having quite uh, prestigious spots in the festival and having the main acts, I guess, and headlining. Despite there being so much color up on the stage, there is hardly any in the audience. And I think that does come back to the fact that Coachella is so white and so privileged and it's it's just really unusual. I've read it. Um, unusual for a festival to be white. No, it's unusual now that for, for a festival to be, to, to have quite, and I'm going to say quite a diverse um, range of artists, but for the for the festival goers to still be quite white. That's what I mean. For there to kind of be rappers and R&B musicians up there, but for their demographic not to be reflected at all in who they're actually performing to. I read a really interesting piece in The New Yorker by Carrie Batan, and she was saying, I'm just going to quote her because this is really interesting to me. Coachella is certainly a place to see live music, but it is also a place to witness a ritualized parade of beautiful people embracing their inner bohemians for a few days. From a distance, it looks less like a haven of free-spiritness than a catwalk of people who have decided that free-spiritness looks good on them. 100%. Yeah. It's there, there's a couple of ideas on that. First and foremost, it's which I want to get to in a second, it's this idea that in order to go to Coachella, you have to look a certain way, which is not just be white, but you have to dress in this sort of bohemian way, which then makes its way for a whole heap of cultural appropriation going on. I um, guess the average uh, Coachella attendee is probably like Vanessa Hudgens in that really white, beautiful, skinny brunette look, but constantly wearing flowy dresses and headpieces and bindies on her head. It's amazing to me that after all of these conversations that we have about cultural appropriation and how we should be dressing at festivals, that we still run into so many issues. I think the, there's still headdresses going on, still cornrows going on, which is pretty disappointing to see. But when you said before as well that it's really interesting that the um, – sort of demographic of Coachella doesn't necessarily reflect the people performing is I read last night that Vince Staples jumped on stage um, onto the festival's main stage and he called it as he stood there the white people stage and said I know you all don't know who I am because none of y'all look like me but I don't give a fuck wow and isn't that really interesting that. yeah that he can look at that and say well I'm still performing here but I know that 
this is probably not the same stage as every other stage that I stand on. Interesting. That's so interesting. I guess another thing that shows how privileged and rich the people going to Coachella are is there's actually a private jet shuffle company to the festival grounds. So uh, a couple of weeks ago, a press release was sent around to journos in the area to be like, ooh, check out our smart jet travel pack where influencers can literally just get a private jet in so they don't have to get a bus and they don't have to get an Uber or whatever. Why would you get a bus? Buses for peasants. <laughs> I get a private jet all the time. Just doing from work. No, but seriously, when I scroll through my Instagram feed, uh, Instagram feed, Instagram feed, it is just filled with images of people that I really love as well. So I'm not saying that anyone who goes to Coachella is by any means oh, far from it. I want to go to Coachella. It Absolutely. looks amazing. If I had the opportunity to go, I would go. But I think it's also well worth noting that as. Um, as it's all over our feeds and as every influencer and famous person goes, it's well worth noting, A, the demographic and B, um, I guess the fact that we're still not over the hill when it comes to knowing how to dress appropriately for a festival. it's time for the quick and dirty each week we give you five of the biggest celebrity headlines from the rough and tumble of the news cycle and zara i am bestowing this upon you you did a shit job of it last time but you can have another crack and see if we can get through it in less than two hours when michelle says i did a shit job i just brought too much information to the table it, i had too many opinions too many passionate when passionate, we devised when we devised the plan for this podcast the quick and dirty was supposed to be very quick, quick and very dirty you made it long and winding i know it's funny and i think i came up with the name quick and dirty it's just i'm just ignoring my own my own title all right, we're already getting it's already getting away from us. Yes, to okay, the first story that I'm bringing is from the Sun. Brad's dream woman, Brad Pitt, finds his ideal woman in sexy rock star professor Neri Oxman, and she's made up of all his ex's best bits. What a bullshit headline! So, for anyone who missed it, Brad Pitt's dating a new woman. She is a lecturer and senior person at MIT University. She's like a massively influential architect and uh, she's just hugely smart and she's like an artist that has contributed to fashion shows. If you look through her resume, it's just bloody impressive. In short, too cool to be hanging out with Brad Pitt. Too cool to be hanging out with Brad Pitt, but also too too cool to be put in the headline as she's made up of all his ex's best bits. That sounds so gory. So gory. I have Angelina's arm and Jen's (laughs) leg and then I'm put together. Um, No, it is. That's a weird headline. It's also um, very much reminded me of sort of like a, and a Mile Clooney setup is how we treat um, hot men dating smart women is that we just can't really get a head around it. So we glorify it in really odd ways. Made up of her best bits. All right, next. <laughs> well, move me along. <laughs> um, this is from Mamma Mia. AFL footy show host Rebecca Madden has just given birth to her first child. So happy for her. Oh, same. She seems lovely. Yeah, and she's 40, and I think she was being hounded by the media for ages as to when her and her husband were going to have kids, and here you go, media. She's just had a child. I know, and I a think daughter. she's been pretty open about the fact that she she didn't think it was going to happen. So always lovely news, isn't it? Mm, lovely. Number three, from People magazine, Marie. <laughs> Marie. <laughs> Sorry. Jesus Christ. <laughs> Both have been illiterate today. Um, I'm going to put it down to the technological issues. Marie Carey. I'm kidding. Mariah Carey. We're so going to get a one-star review. <laughs> Just going a bit rogue. Mariah Carey reveals for the first time her battle with bipolar disorder. 
I had mixed feelings about this. Yeah, I think first and foremost, we have to acknowledge that after 17 years of battling bipolar disorder, it cannot have been easy to come out. No. Um, And I think for a lot of people, especially those that suffer bipolar, this is a huge deal because... um, I think anyone that comes out with this kind of thing is is it's is lauded as as someone who's done something really great. Yeah, and I think it's amazing anyone who can be honest about mental illness. I think that's incredible and I'm always really supportive of that. Um I just kind of wish that Mariah Carey had come out and said that she had bipolar in a different forum. I think to be paid to be on the front cover of a magazine to talk about mental illness, it could have just been an Instagram post or a Twitter or it could have just been a blog post that she wrote online for free. I just thought it was a, it was a slightly interesting decision to have that on the front of People magazine and make it like a PR moment. I think it could have just been a moment of honesty, but that's nothing against Mariah. Well, I think, And I think just to counter that, I my first thought was the same is that you very easily in this day and age can make these announcements without being paid for them because you have such reach over social media. Mm-hmm. But in saying that, here's two things. Um, magazine covers are still a big deal. So there's still a huge way to make an announcement and it's a big way to demand a moment. Secondly, mental illness is clearly not fun and you have more insight into this than I do, but it's clearly not fun. If there is an opportunity for you to make money of something that has, has been a real um a real battle in your life why wouldn't you say fuck yeah i'm gonna take this opportunity and make some lemonade out of lemons mm. you don't agree no i don't agree but just devil's okay. advocate no. just been thinking some <laughs> some things you're wrong <laughs> just just been thinking okay number four you fucked him so i can swear you fucked him because <laughs> i had stars you'll just say either commit or don't commit don't go half what you're doing <laughs> you fucked him on my couch one night stand on freedom couch exposed on bachelor in paradise that's from news.com what do they mean one night stand on freedom couch i actually went through the article and um control f freedom couldn't find it i think it might have been a bit of a typo in the headline what? hence why i also put it in interesting i don't get it freedom couch maybe it was from freedom but how would they know that uh, to give context yeah. if anyone's listening being like what the hell are you guys talking about on last night's episode of bachelor in paradise there was a fight between alora and simone who both like apollo on the series but it turns out they've also both had an interest in a man on the outside world and simone had sex with him on alora's couch despite the fact that alora liked him Correct. And this man we think is Courtney Dober from Georgia Love season. The man who really was quite rude to Georgia Love. Yeah. And Georgia Love's a friend of the show, so <laughs> I will fight. <laughs> mean to Georgia Love, mean to us. Um, I'm not sure it works that smoothly, but wait, let's go. Um, okay. And the last one, I found this really interesting in the last 24 hours, this story. Carl Lagerfeld slams models who complain about groping in controversial new interview. This totally went over my head. Do you want to explain? To be honest, it's pretty fresh, this story. Um, we are recording on Monday morning and I saw this last night. But Carl Lagerfeld, who is the creative director at Chanel, mm-hmm. um, has was given an interview about a range of things, but um, naturally Me Too came up, as it always does in almost every interview. And he said... I love it when old men weigh in on Me Too. It's my favourite, favourite thing in the world. My opinion out there. He said, I'm fed up with it. What shocks me most in all of this are the starlets who have taken 20 years to remember what happened, not to mention the fact there are no prosecution witnesses. That said, I cannot stand Mr. Weinstein. Thanks, Carl. I know. Amazing. I'm just leaving there with that comment and a little head. I'm just going to go a little tut tut. How old is Carl Lagerfeld? Old. Mm. I'm not sure. Mm. He just looks old. Too old to be making I mean, comments on Me Too because he clearly is not 
entirely. I wonder, um, I wonder how many woke. people have groped Carl Lagerfeld in his life. I wonder how many times he's been the victim of sexual harassment. Um, I wonder. I wonder if anybody is going to sit him down now and explain you know, how the reporting of sexual harassment and sexual assault goes and why the average, particularly for, I know this is going on a bit of a tangent, but the reporting for child sexual abuse is, what, over 30 years to report. Mm. Stuff like that, um, I think, is not spoken about enough when you have these real, these opinions that are just spreading misinformation like wildfire. Carl, 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 stick to designing dresses, mate. I know, not opinions. Hey, that's all I've got for you today. Thank you, Zara. Anytime. I love to take social media breaks. Like I'll post things and try not to read the comments. Because if I was posting something about me, I post something with me like raising money for cancer awareness and I got reamed for it. So it's like no matter what I do, you're going to have just haters. So just know that that's the way of the world and just love yourself. I am so excited for this next segment. We need to debrief on what happened between Khloe Kardashian and Tristan Thompson this week. So obviously it was only a few days ago really that we were fawning over pregnancy photos of Khloe Kardashian and her professional basketball partner Tristan Thompson. An image of Thompson cradling Khloe's baby bump received 4.5 million likes. Within hours, news then broke that Thompson wasn't just photographed heading to a hotel, heading to a hotel with a woman who wasn't Chloe, but videos were published of him kissing and motorboating other women. This was all within days of Chloe giving birth. I think she gave birth on Friday and, oh, well, Thursday, American time. She gave birth to a girl. Thompson has since been connected to as many as five women while with Kardashian. Zara, what do you make of it all? Um, I think I come from it from not an unusual standpoint, and that is I have never actually watched an episode of Keeping Up with the Kardashians. So my ability to feel for the Kardashians isn't very high because I don't actually know them as anything other than characters or a sort of a construct. Um, so when I see a story like this, I can every single part of me can recognize that this is a pretty awful thing to happen to anyone. But I, I have not lost, lost sleep over it and I have not felt viscerally upset, which I know a lot of people have. So one of those people is me. I felt so, so upset when I heard this news about Khloe Kardashian being cheated on. And But how upset? I mean, you, in that moment, you felt a bit upset, but I'm sure you went on with your day, got on the tram and got a bit distracted. Do you know what I mean? Like, it is doesn't consume any of us. We can say we get very upset, but does it consume your entire day? No, I don't think it really consumes anyone's entire day. I will give a shout out to uh, Elise Brando who listens to this podcast and it would have consumed her entire day because she is Kardashian mad for the average Kardashian kind of semi-fan, which yeah. I would say is me. I follow them on social media. I've kind of watched Keeping Up a little bit here and there. Um, because did, you just called it Keeping Up. I'm keeping Up. <laughs> keeping Up. It it did affect me, honestly, and I'm not sure if that's because necessarily how much I care about the Kardashians. I think that has more to do with how much I care about cheating. So yeah. every cheating story, I mean, we've known each other for, what, three years now. Too and- long way too long every time a cheating story comes across our radar you see me get extremely mad and upset on behalf of whoever has been wronged and I'm not sure what that is I just always have a very visceral reaction to cheating stories particularly when someone is days away from giving birth I feel just incredibly heartbroken on behalf of that person and honestly on the day when those rumors and those videos and those photos came out about Tristan and Chloe. I felt 
really betrayed on behalf of her, particularly knowing her history with other boyfriends in that she's been cheated on by every major boyfriend in the last decade. She was cheated on by Rashad McCants and she was cheated on by Lamar Odom and obviously now Tristan Thompson. So she's got a type that clearly cheats on her and is willing to betray her. Yeah, and I think as as a story, unfortunately, it's very interesting. Um, I don't think that anybody can, can sit here and say that it's not. Um, I think also when it comes down to Tristan, Thompson, Tristan Thompson's history, it is also where it gets a little interesting because it is widely, widely rumoured, almost so rumoured that it's fact, that Tristan Thompson left his former pregnant partner in her third trimester for Khloe Kardashian. And this is where it gets all a bit murky because I think there are a lot of people out there who would have an issue with a woman um, dating a man who's left his wife or partner in the third trimester because what does it say about the man that you are now dating? Um, And I think for a lot of people – they might struggle in the sympathy stakes for Khloe Kardashian because this it's sort of history repeating itself. Now, on the record, I don't think that's fair, um, but I, I do think this is where our conversation about sympathy gets a bit muddled because how much sympathy can we give a woman in this scenario? Who put another woman in the same scenario. Exactly. Well, I will comment on that. You were saying, what does it say about the man? I think um, entirely, what does it say about Tristan Thompson? But I do think it says something about you as a person if you're willing to do that to another woman. I agree. And so just to give context, uh, Tristan Thompson's ex, her name is Jordan Craig. She's a 26-year-old influencer. Model, yeah. Yeah, model and influencer. And she gave birth in December. He and Chloe got together a couple months before in September. So she was probably, what, six, seven months pregnant when her partner left her for Chloe Kardashian. So I definitely, definitely feel sympathy for Chloe Kardashian. I feel heart-wrenching sympathy for her. Do I feel as much sympathy for her as I do for, say, if it happened to you or if it happened to another woman who has never done that herself or been involved in such a situation herself in the past? Probably not. I no. probably feel 60 to 70% of the <laughs> sympathy I'd feel for someone completely innocent. That's what I was just going to say. I think it's not necessarily all that black and white. And I think we can have a heap of nuance and say sympathy can exist on a scale and we can have X amount of sympathy for someone and have a little bit less sympathy for others. And I think that 60 to 70% number is pretty bang on. Thank you. Um, because I think, yeah, it, I definitely have a little less sympathy for someone who has inflicted that exact pain on somebody else. Um, There is a lot going on here. Um, I know that when, if you have a little read around of of who exactly broke this story, I think it comes down to Daily Mail breaking um, the publishing photos of, of Thompson going into that hotel room, I think. Yes. And I think that's when TMZ pulled the trigger yes. and then published their videos of him making out with other women and motorboating other so women. So this is where, um, this is where the media's role in the story also is a bit disappointing because you'll read around. And I think it was when I was reading the coverage on the cut that, that one of the writers on the cut said, when the news fell into the daily mail's hands, it fell into reckless hands because I think the Daily Mail don't have a relationship with the Kardashians that say TMZ or E or people or anyone like that would have. So they sort of have 
feel no consequences and they published right away. Mm, and the Daily Mail's notorious for that. They don't really care. Well, it, it appears they don't really care who they harm with telling stories. They're merely there to get clicks and to get attention. No, and I think it's really um, important to note that they don't, that the Daily Mail exists sort of in a different sphere than the than the celebrity tabloid news sites like TMZ and like E and like People and Page Six and things like that, that do have quite strong relationships with celebrities. Daily Mail does not. Well, I'm not sure TMZ does either not with the Kardashians no but TMZ has good relationships with celebrities yeah TMZ better I would does. say better than Daily Mail so TMZ then once the Daily Mail story was published published the video like you were saying yep. and this is from October yeah it is so the photos of Tristan with the uh, mystery woman published on Daily Mail were from the previous weekend so they were quite fresh and it turns out TMZ had kind of like an arsenal of videos and proof that he was a serial cheater. What do you think happened here? Do you think that they had the 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 piece of video or whatever since October and they sat on it or do you think they saw that Daily Mail story and thought let's see what we can find? I am uncertain. I would like to think that someone like a publication like TMZ would have either had that footage and held onto it knowing that you it's kind of cruel and immoral to put a pregnant woman through that kind of distress mm. and knowing the I guess the thing that kind of gives me shivers about this whole story is that Chloe Kardashian has publicly spoken out about her infertility issues and miscarriages and struggles to get pregnant and have a child that is very much wanted and has been very much wanted for a very long time so I guess one of the really upsetting aspects of this entire story to me was that publications in the media would be so willing to throw her into a state of emotional distress at such a sensitive time. And I think that's exactly what, I think it might have been Ali Jones at the cut was saying is that when it fell into Daily Mail's hands, it fell into reckless hands mm. because they are not the ones to care about this. When TMZ had this footage from October, I've been thinking about this a lot and I know we've spoken about it a little bit. It's very unusual for a media publication to have such explosive footage like that and to sit on it. That is really, really unusual because there's a couple of things. A, you'll almost always be beaten to it if you're holding on to it. Um, and B, it just seems like a waste. But the only thing I can possibly think of is around October when TMZ got their hands on this footage was around the time that TMZ actually broke the story of Kardashian's pregnancy. And I know at the time there was a little bit of um, uh, bad blood between Khloe Kardashian and TMZ because she did not want to um, reveal her pregnancy to the public until after the first trimester, until she felt really safe because, as you said, she had had issues in the past. So what I think may have happened, and this is just a theory, that that maybe Chloe Kardashian and TMZ had a few negotiations going on. They were going to reveal her pregnancy regardless. And maybe this was a compromise that she probably knew this footage existed since October, but they promised to hold on to it if they revealed the pregnancy. I'm not sure. I mean, I also read numerous reports this week from basically just pure speculation from other journalists and other media websites that the Kardashians somehow had a hand in the timing of all this and the Kardashians were releasing these kind of videos to the media and kind of playing puppeteer, I guess, with all the media in releasing it a few days before she gave birth, as in, oh, the story's worth the most at this particular time. Which is true. It is worth the most. It is worth the most. 
that particular time in her pregnancy. But I have said this before and I'll say it again. I think we tend to overstate how much celebrities uh, curate their lives for public attention. I think, of course, they have a huge amount of people around them and uh, weaponry around them to build a PR brand and an image and everything. I draw the line at suggesting that Khloe Kardashian or Kris Jenner care more about their celebrity than the potential well-being of an unborn baby. I think if you are going to believe the conspiracy theory that the Kardashians kind of controlled the timing of this and controlled the release of this information, you have to either believe that celebrities aren't all that human or that these celebrities care more about attention than they do about their own health. I can absolutely see um, that point of view. And it's a pretty legitimate one. But I think there's more shades of grey into what you're saying than, than, than how you're putting it out. Because I think there's absolutely no way, no way in the world that this story broke without the Kardashians knowing about it. There is not a world we exist in without the Kardashians. Without There's not a world that we live in where a story would break about the Kardashians. Of course not. Of course so, not. They would have been reached out. For, they would have reached yes. out to Kardashians for comment. Which – and. Considering this video has been going around since October, there is no way in the months between October and March they didn't know it was coming. So that's not to say that they had a hand in it, but I'm saying for a lot of people, that's where they're coming from. The second part about the second part about what you say is that they believe in the health of an unborn baby more than than PR, and I I think I agree with that. However. I think people still have a right to speculate. And I say that because the Kardashians have built a brand over a really careful and manipulative media strategy. And for us to not be able at every single moment to turn around and say, hang on a second, is this their doing or is this somebody else's? I think we have that right. After every single careful and manipulative media strategy they have employed, that we have the right now to turn around and say, let me just analyze this critically first and then consider everything. I'm all for critically analyzing. I mean, that's what this podcast is for. And that's what most of uh, what I do at work is for, critically analyzing pop culture and celebrity. I think that we have bled from criticism into being very, very cynical. Yes, I think the Kardashians are incredible at building their brand. And yes, I think they're incredible at manipulating the media and manipulating their stories to get maximum exposure. Do I think that they leaked this story to the media? Do I think they had a hand in the timing? Absolutely not. I think perhaps they knew it existed. I don't think they have any control over when media organizations go public with it. If they did, it would have gone through E, the uh, website and the media organization they have an affiliation with. I do not think they would have a hand in E's rival network in TMZ controlling this story. They would. I just, I, I, know, I get I really frustrated because I, I feel like I get really frustrated because I feel like we overstate how much celebrities care about their PR. And yes, I think the Kardashians care about their PR. And yes, I think um, they have done things in the past to maximize their exposure. Do I think they had any control in this story? No, honestly, I do not. I think I, I agree cool. with you, but I think what you need to consider is that it's not black and white. It's really not that black and white saying that either they had a hand in it or they didn't. I think, I think I think in this scenario, is say- I don't think Khloe Kardashian, tell me this, Khloe Kardashian doing a maternity photo shoot where she's kissing her partner where he's got her hand, his hands on her stomach. I do not think she would participate in that kind of uh, really affectionate intimacy and put that on a public space 
forum if she'd been cheated on numerous times. What are we yes, t- she is a celebrity, but she is a human. Can you not see exactly what we were talking about last week when you said when you're at your most vulnerable is when you tend to um, advertise your relationship the most? You, I'm sorry. No, no let me speak. Let me go. <laughs> Thank you. No, I'm saying firstly, that is... Huge, a huge red flag to me is when you're putting your relationship out there is for me when I feel like you're probably most vulnerable. Don't misconstrue what I'm saying. I agree with everything you are saying. I really am. But I don't think we can say, well, she would have handed the story to E if she wanted it to be to be exposed. Because I don't think E, contracted to keeping up with the Kardashians, want to be affiliated with a leaking a cheating story about the Kardashians. It just doesn't look good. So I'm just saying I absolutely agree with almost everything you're saying, but we can't say it would have been this if it had been that way, or it would have been looked like that if the story had have looked like this. Mm. Do you know what I'm saying? I just think there is a lot going on the, behind the scenes that we can't see and we can't just choose one firm path about how the story must have broken. No, of course. I guess I'm just coming to it from the perspective where I see Khloe Kardashian as quite an emotional person and I honestly believe that she is human enough that she would not be caught dead having this cheating man all over her belly and all over her body in these Instagram photos if she had known. I just don't she, think if she had, possible. If he had cheated already and she had forgiven him and she thought the bad blood was underneath them. I think what we're doing a lot here, though, is focusing on Khloe Kardashian when the dirtiest dog of all is Tristan oh, Thompson. He's such a dick. Um, and I did an interview during the week with um, Dr. Nikki Goldstein, who is a sex and relationships therapist. And I guess what a lot of um, thought around this story has been is what is it about men like Tristan Thompson who just can't help themselves? Can't get like their willy in their it's pants. It's not comical, but it almost is because it's like, how can you not just put your hands in your pockets and walk on by? I think at the start of the week, I began to think that maybe, maybe a sex addiction is quite legitimate because what else makes you that immoral and makes you so willful in betraying the person that you're meant to love? And Dr. Nikki Goldstein says it absolutely has nothing to do with sex. Really? And everything to do with ego. And she said it comes down to this idea that these men will want to be, their egos will want to be stroked in any form and mostly in the bedroom. And so whenever they're out and whenever someone might be throwing themselves at them it's not about sex it's not even about the thrill it's just the fact their ego has been stroked so when it comes down to whether once a cheater will always be a cheater she was like to me I've really struggled with that idea apart from men like Tristan Thompson because if they don't address their issues around their ego and a need to for it to always be stroked then they will always cheat Mm. And it's interesting because so many of her big ex-partners have been sports stars. And I really feel like what you're talking about there with ego is something that is really characteristic of a sports star. It's such a self-centered egotistical field that you're a basketballer or you're a footballer or whatever have you. Even celebrities have big egos, but I would say athletes, you have to be so self-centered that it would go beyond that. And perhaps she needs to look outside that typical type. You can't just keep dating sports stars if you want to perhaps not be cheated on. Controversial. How to end on a victim blaming note. (laughs) A story about Michelle. Yeah, no, no, no. I don't mean that to victim blame her at all. I mean, perhaps she needs to start dating an IT professional. Yes. Yeah. Or she needs to do like a Serena Williams and just date the founder of Reddit. Just a software software developer, I don't feel like would have a huge ego. Who else wouldn't have an ego? Um, Maybe. Maybe a real, oh no, real estate agents. Here we go. You know what? (laughs) 
<laughs> Let's not go through a list of uh, maybe of careers our, that give you egos. Maybe in our uh, shameless celebrity gossip Facebook page, we can start just suggesting men for Chloe Kardashian. Yeah, that's a great idea. Oh. Anyway, good luck to Chloe Kardashian. Regardless. Not Brad Pitt. Clearly not Brad Pitt anymore. We are hoping Chloe Kardashian as well. All the way from from St Kilda yeah, to I Los Angeles. What do you think she's going to name her baby? Um, Hopefully she doesn't give him Thompson, or give her baby Thompson true. as the last name. This Surely. will be something to look out for, I guess. Will it be a Kardashian or a Thompson baby? I tell you what, I think if it's Kardashian, it says they've broken up. If it's Thompson, I think it's together. If it's Thompson Kardashian, they're trying to work through it. Okay, a little bit of an overall analysis, <laughs> but we'll, we'll check back in next week. <laughs> Cardi B, uh, where did that name come from? My name come from, you know what? My sister name is Hennessy. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? My sister name is Hennessy, right? So everybody used to call me Bacardi. So I always call myself Bacardi, right? And then it was my Instagram name, like Bacardi, Bacardi B. But for some reason, my Instagram keep getting deleted. And I think it was Bacardi <laughs> that had something to do with it. Mm-hmm. So I just shortened it to Cardi B. Cardi B is everywhere you look. The US rapper has been storming the Billboard chart being profiled by every major news outlet and is saturating Instagram with her candid and often silly videos. Just last week, donned in a tight, white, bandeau dress, the rapper announced her pregnancy while performing on Saturday Night Live. Her reach is huge, her fan base even bigger, and down here in Australia, we're sort of like... Cardi B who? Mish, why do you think the phenomenon of Cardi B has passed us by so much? Uh, I guess part of it would be that the R&B culture isn't as prevalent in Australia as it is in the US. So I had heard Cardi B's name a million times and I hadn't actually bothered to even check what she had looked like or who she was until last week, which is kind of embarrassing on my part because maybe it's just that I'm not into that sphere and I'm not into R&B music. But if she was a pop star, I probably would have checked her out. I imagine she would have. you would have. If she was in our, I think... If she was storming our top 40, like Taylor Swift often does, then probably you would have. Mm. But I think that's more of an indictment on our top 40 than her music. Well, she's not even R&B. She's a rapper, I guess. So as soon, that all said, as soon as I started to Google who the F Cardi B is, I am now obsessed with her. I was looking up YouTube videos on Friday night because I'm so cool like that. And... She just captivated me. She's the weirdest, quirkiest, kookiest celebrity I have seen in so long. So uh, she has a history as a stripper, which I found really fascinating. And she kind of uh, worked her way up through the Bronx. She was quite... uh, not impoverished, but she wasn't very well off growing well, I up. I think her her mother came to the United States from Trinidad. Her dad is from the Dominican Republic. Um, you're right. She did grow up in the Bronx. She seems to have quite a, from, the, from what I can glean online anyway, a pretty okay relationship with her parents. But it was when I think she entered into one of her first serious relationships that became quite abusive. Oh. Um which is when she turned to stripping. So she was living with um, this boyfriend, I think her boyfriend's family. She said there was like bed bugs in the house. She was being abused. She was earning like $200 a week. Oh, at the supermarket. Yeah. That's right, yeah. And it was at that point that she realized that she had nowhere to go but to strip. And she earned 
big money through doing that and a big following as well. Yeah, well, big money in that she kind of worked her way up a bit but then noticed that all the curvier girls in her strip club were getting paid more. So she ended up getting illegal butt injections in a uh, dingy little apartment block, <laughs> which the person ended up killing someone who gave her butt injections, ended up going to jail for... God, that gives you shivers, doesn't ...wrongful it? death or something. She also got a boob job, which is really interesting that... She kind of changed her body and tweaked her body to fit the industry and she ended up being not just a successful stripper, but basically the most successful stripper in the US. Well, I think what a lot of people and what I certainly didn't realise about Cardi B, and I would go as far to say a lot of people because I think in Australia she has passed us by in a, in a funny way. I sort of feel like I was – it's like I was sitting on my phone and a train just zoomed by and I looked up and it had left and I had no idea what was going on. Well, has it left? I keep hearing her name everywhere. Well, that's what I mean in that – it's it's left me and just zoomed ahead because I just started hearing this name over and over and over again and I thought I have missed something. Mm-hmm. For somebody who earns a living out of being in the news cycle and the pop culture news cycle, I have honestly missed something. Anyway, so she got into stripping and I think what I've, what I was saying is people don't realize that she built up a six-figure um, Instagram following off stripping by not necessarily uploading um, videos of herself stripping to Instagram, but just really quirky, candid, I hate to use the buzzword, but authentic um, videos and and little vines. It was when vines was big, was Mm. big, were big. Well, she really toes the line between being sexy and quirky in those videos. So she almost has her own vocabulary. She's a total oddball. But at the same time, it's really interesting to note that every video very carefully has a certain amount of cleavage in it or it's a certain amount of sex appeal. So she's appealing to both sides that all these men started following her because she had that sex appeal. But all these women came in droves because she's bloody hilarious yeah she is um and there was a really interesting piece i think it was on pitchfork that i was reading over the weekend and they said cardi b first started as an instagram celebrity and then she went into reality tv in um she was cast on the sixth season of love and hip-hop new york um and i think this piece in Pitchfork was saying was she sort of had every ingredient to not be a successful rapper because if you're going to have anything in your resume that's going to look like you don't have credibility, it's going to be an Instagram celebrity and then a reality star. And somehow of being an Instagram celebrity and a reality star, she built a following and then went into music and created not just good music, but really credible music. Oh, absolutely. So if anyone is kind of thinking, well, what makes her so relevant? She is so relevant that Cardi B absolutely absolutely obliterated Taylor Swift on Apple Music. So her debut album, Invasion of Privacy, racked up over 100 million streams on Apple Music. That set a new record for first week streams by a female artist ever on the surf- on the service. So she doubled Taylor Swift's reputation. And it's not just that. I think she was the second ever female rapper to hit the to be number one on the Billboard 100. Yeah, um, since like 1998. Yeah, think, since yeah. 1998. Um which is a huge deal, and I think um, one that we can't probably understand as as well as we we as well as Americans do, because we we do have what the aria charts. I don't think music what <laughs> the aria charts. It's just so not like we're so basic. It does feel America. it feels so um, amateur, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. I think I don't think our music culture is anywhere near as big as the US. Um, I mean, we don't have Coachella. 
There you go. Mm, Coachella. Um, but there was there's some really interesting stuff online about why Cardi B's rise is so important. Um, there was a really great piece on Splinter News. I will put this in the show notes by a woman called Dodi Stewart. I think Dodi Stewart was um, the old deputy editor at Jezebel. And she said, the pop, the pop chart battle of Cardi B versus Taylor Swift is a metaphor for race relations in Trump's America. Now, I know that it seems like everything comes back to Trump's America. Um, so at this point, when the article was written last year, uh, Cardi B was number two on the Billboard charts. Taylor Swift was number one. And she said... The result of between these two women, she said, the result is a battle for number one that feels more like a battle for America's soul, with fans hopeful that Cardi B can reach number one, thereby taking with her and uplifting everyone who's ever felt oppressed, outnumbered, underrepresented, disadvantaged or underprivileged. And as journalist George M. Johnson put it on Twitter, if Cardi B unseats Taylor Swift, we might have a shot of surviving Trump. Interesting. And I don't think that's an overstate to say that it actually does really reflect Trump's America because if Cardi B, and she did, as we just touched on, can unseat someone like Taylor Swift, it means that at least people are investing in in women of colour in music, that they're being recognised, that they're being seen as credible. And I think that is really important for an America that is existing under Trump. Mm, because we are so white, this is the thing. So we're discussing someone who is hugely influential in a culture and a group of people that we don't belong to. And it's tricky for us. I mean, I'm, I am said before, I'm not really into rap music. I'm not really into the kind of music that Cardi B puts out. I I'm not really definitely- into music at all, which is when this is, I'm just coming from an entirely different I can definitely like say I really do enjoy her music now that I listen to it over the weekend we don't belong to this group of marginalized people so I guess this is kind of fraught with complexities when you have two very very white women I mean if you tried to get me up there and rap I would look like such a dickhead it you would, would make like your Dean from Married at First Sight right yeah absolutely it would make your head spin how awkward I am but I've been really impressed with even how much her stance on feminism has changed in the last 12 months well I also found Cardi B and feminism something that I wanted to talk about today because I, a woman like Cardi B who has sort of, like we said, made a career. For, she's only 25, by the way. Can we make that known? She is only 25 years old. And, and she's she, engaged to another rapper? Yeah, she's engaged to another rapper. She's pregnant. She has carved a crazy career for herself, um, has a huge international female, based fan, uh, female fan base, and she's written a lot about um, – from what I can glean online anyway, a lot of her songs paint men in a really interesting way and is hugely reflective of her time stripping and she talks a lot about men being soft and easy to manipulate. And so suddenly people started to project this feminist image on Cardi B because she was A, a truth teller and B, someone who just did not give a shit about anything and flew up the Billboard charts. People thought saw this feminist image and thought she must be very feminist. And then they went back and crawled through her online activity and put pulled out quotes that she said that didn't come across as very feminist. And there's a really interesting couple of interviews where she addresses it. And she said, I never really painted myself as this. Like I never came across like this just because I was a really strong independent woman. 
doesn't mean every single thought I've ever had to have had has had to be necessarily feminist. Yeah, and I think she's even kind of uh, transformed that view recently. I mean, in her most recent interview on feminism, she said, being a feminist is such a great thing and some people feel like someone like me can't be great like that. Uh, she went on to say they only think Michelle Obama can be a feminist, but being a feminist is real simple. It's that a woman can do the same things equal to a man. Anything a man can do, I can do. I can finesse. I can hustle. We have the same freedom. I was top of the charts. I'm a woman and I did that. Yeah. And I think she, I've also read some quotes of her about the idea of being a feminist and being privileged because I do think she is trying to now debunk that idea that that only women who are maybe educated and privileged can can have the feminist tack because it can, there is, I mean, we could get into another, an, an entirely different argument about feminism and intersectional feminism and how the feminism movement has been largely quite white. Um, but I think she is trying to communicate that message about anyone can be a feminist regardless of of your education. Yeah, absolutely. I've also been really impressed with how she's kind of taken slut shaming and absolutely flipped it on its head that she kind of uses her sexuality and uses the idea of what slut shaming is to be a weapon for her. She's kind of pulled that into her arsenal and be like, fuck yeah, I can make a man do whatever I want him to do. I will take him for all he's worth. And that's a really big, powerful thing for me. I find that really interesting. Of course, some women might listen to that and be like, well, is being sexy really power? But from it's everything... Power to her. It's power to her, exactly. And I just think she's a really interesting example of how someone can just explode into the mainstream and she's fresh and she's different and if you I really recommend that people go watch interviews with Jimmy Kimmel and her they were really fascinating to and me and Jimmy Fallon as well um there's some there's some great late night ones that she's done but I think what people don't I th- it's only really when you put onto paper a from what she's come from and b to what she's created that you actually it is astounding astounding to me that somebody can grow um, an Instagram following, go into reality TV, become one of the most credible rap female rappers in history um, to, to have such a huge following. And when everything was stacked up against her, like it is astounding to me that she's been able to do what she does and to have such um, adoration as well. Like uh, there was a, there's a great, there's so many good profiles around that I want to link in the show notes. Um, there's a great one in GQ that I put in the Facebook group last week. There's a good one in the Guardian as well. And um, in this piece in the Guardian, Radio 1 DJ Clara Amfo, I think I pronounced that wrong, but let's roll with it, told the Guardian, I was amazed at how huge and obsessive her fan base is. 95% women all absolutely going ham for her. It's the kind of fandom record labels and execs dream about and try to force with big marketing campaigns. She's done that just by being herself on Instagram. And it is actually what people dream of when in a world where Instagram is incredibly performative and incredibly shiny, she actually does seem like she hasn't got a marketing or PR strategy. I know she does, but she comes across like that and that's why she has exploded. Yeah. Well, one thing's for sure, we'll be seeing so much more of Cardi B and it's exciting. I didn't think that I would be as obsessed with her as I am, but I am so into her. It's taken me about 48 hours and I'm well on the Cardi B train. I would I would recommend if anyone has a spare hour or two, just deep dive. Just YouTuber. It's yeah. so funny. Yeah. Thank you so much for joining us for episode six. Holy shit, it is episode six. We have like a legitimate podcast now. <laughs> 
at what point like did we not have a legitimate podcast? Episode five. Okay. <laughs> Please subscribe to the show in your podcast feed. As we said earlier in the episode, we're an independent podcast. So we would absolutely love for you to tell people about our little show or leave a review that really gets the word out there. Also, don't forget, you can, um, you are also more than welcome to take part in the conversation by joining our Facebook group. Search shame, Shameless Celebrity Gossip on Facebook. We will also link in the show notes. Are you drunk? I'm uh, a bit drunk. It's actually nine o'clock in the morning, but I might as well be. Um, you can almost. <laughs> wow. We will, as Zara just mumbled through, it will be linked in our show notes. So if you just scroll down, if you're on iTunes, you'll be able to click right on that and it will take you straight to our Facebook group. Just click join. You can email us your thoughts. Our email is shamelessthepodcast at gmail.com or you can follow us on Twitter. That is all the words I can get out for the day. I can't do anything more. You need to lie down. You need to be horizontal right now. I just did that with a whole great big stomach cramp. So thanks very much. We will see you guys next week. Thank you so much for listening. We'll be then. We'll probably be less um, rogue then too. Less rogue? Maybe not. More rogue. (laughs) Always more rogue. See ya. Hello guys. Mish here. I am the co-founder of Shameless Media. Thank you so much for giving us your ears and your mind and your time. We're so grateful. If you enjoy the stuff that we produce, may I recommend our brand new podcast, Style-ish. Style-ish, if you want to say it quickly. Style-ish, if you want to take the long way through. It is our podcast for all things fashion, brand, business, and beauty. If that is in your wheelhouse. If you care about style content, you will love this show. It is, of course, more than just a show as well. It is a newsletter. It is an Instagram feed. It is a TikTok account. There is so much good stuff going out on Stylish every single day starting now. So in your favorite app, search for Style-ish. Give it a listen. Give it a follow. We are an independent media company and we would be so, so grateful for all your support. That's all for me, guys. Check out Stylish and have a good one. 